Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. How are you doing today, Shawnee? Oh, I'm here hoping I don't get the Rona. <laughs> hoping that we don't get Corona living in these quarantine times. We are recording separate locations via the internet, so I can still see our fair friend, but I cannot touch you. I cannot touch you. I will have to just deal. When we get back together, we'll have to hug. It will yes. be very lovely. Today we are talking about Lover Reborn, Season 2, Episode 9, Book 10 of The Black Dagger Brotherhood. Uh, Today, before we get into our jingle, I do want to mention a fun fact that I found out from our friend on Instagram, M-A-C-Y, Macy, N-V-V-E, author at Instagram, is telling us that... We might get our menage in a future book, Shawnee. Eric and Avail, the cousins of a sale, may be possibly sharing a mate. Ooh, 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 Bridget. Ooh, ooh, Bridget, you know I love a menage. Ooh, those are my favorite. Ooh, Bridget, I know. I don't know whether it's really... I don't know whether it's really going to happen because it sounds like at this point she's she sort of like floated it as, would you guys like to see that? So I guess there's always the possibility that it does not actually come to pass. But since we're always talking about the thruple, it won't be a thruple because they're cousins, but at least it would be a menage. Yes. Let's get into Lover Reborn, the book without a menage. And I don't know what your thoughts are yet, so I won't speak for us both. Let's get popping. Let's see what you think. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. As always in season two, we are talking about J.R. Ward. And aside from our fun fact about the menage, I do have two other fun facts for today. Number one, if she could choose only one brother to be with, it would be. Who do you oh. think? Oh, if she could only choose one brother to be with, it would have to be. Ooh, not Butch, because he's he not a brother. Okay, okay, wait, okay, wait for it. Butch is a brother. <laughs> oh, is he a brother? <laughs> he got inducted into the brotherhood. Oh, I guess, okay, okay. I was gonna, my first reaction was to say Butch, but I think he's a, he's a little bit of a bitch for me. So I'm gonna have to say, oh, revenge isn't a brother either. Oh, I'm torn. Okay, 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 here we go. Three, two, one. John Matthew. Uh, no, it's Zadis. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Zadis. <laughs> Damn it. Fan favorite Zadis. The pressure, Bridget. She said, although, although she did say, why would you choose one? They're like chocolates. All of them are good. And I was like, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, our second fun fact is, and it's not really that fun because I feel like at this point most people know it, but Lassiter, since he was in this book so much, is eventually going to get his own book. In the Black Dagger Brotherhood or the Angel, the Fallen Angels? I believe it's going to be Black Dagger Brotherhood. Maybe that's the crossover. Yeah, it could be. So anyway, so those are our fun facts for today. Uh, I know that in past episodes we've talked a little bit about the narrator, but give the people a quick recap on your thoughts about Jim Frangione. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, he's a hit or miss. But I realized in the last two books that he read some of the stuff so dry um, that it changed the feeling of the book. I I 
replayed what he said in my own mind as if I were reading it. And I was like, I would have read this completely differently. I would have read this as a more of a romantic statement. I would have read things much like with a much more emotion if I were actually had a book in my hand. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. One out of five, I would probably give him a a three, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I I don't like, and this is probably not his choice, but when he goes into the Boston accent sometimes for Butch, which which is a completely new development. They've only done it in like the last couple books. Before that, Butch was read super straight, you know, and Uh because it always was like that written. There was always like a few lines here and there where she would like write it out as if you were speaking in a Boston accent. Yeah, but he never read it that way. It's almost like yeah. like a couple books ago, she was like, yo, he's supposed to be from Boston. And then they made sure they did it. You know. Also, whoever is editing the audio is terrible. Um, they're not a good audio editor. There's all these like little mistakes happening. The chapters, uh, when a chapter ends, say it's like, and Zetas ran and Zetas ran through the door. Chapter two. Like that's that's literally <laughs> that's literally how the next chapter gets <laughs> introduced, and it's that aggressive. <laughs> so I, I I do think with books of this caliber, there should be much more of a close eye on the audio and how it's being done. Okay, I totally totally agree. For those of you who are just joining us, well, hello, welcome to Romance at a Glance. Shawnee is an avid listener of the audiobooks, and I do not listen to audiobooks almost ever. And I am more of a tactile reader if I can and an e-reader if I cannot get the tactile book in my hands. Also for this podcast, I find that the e-reader is nice because then I can highlight and remember all of the plot points because this book was like 570 pages. There was a lot going on, so Mm -hmm. I had to take a lot of notes. So if you guys ever are curious about that, I think I put like 150 notes on Goodreads. So in case you're (laughs) curious. They're there for you. Uh, let's quickly cover the cover page. Got and it. By cover page, I mean cover art. It's cool. I can talk. Uh, what were your thoughts? I liked the colors. I thought it was a very pretty color scheme. I did too. I I think I guess sometimes you imagine them much more differently than the cover art portrays. And so I don't picture Tor like the cover art. But. No, I always imagine him being older, even though they have said numerous times in these books that everyone like matures and then their their maturity sort of arrests in that like like late twenties is you know early thirties yeah. age. So he probably does look like that, but I always imagine him being in his forties. That's that's what I imagine too. But I I mean I love a man in his forties. Yeah. You know, I love a silver sure. fox. You know, I he I, does have a stripe. They said he had like a stripe of. Of what white hair because of, of white? like yeah because of the trauma of Wellesley dying. So, I mean, so I like this. I imagine more John Matthew or or somebody like this the character yeah. on. I mean, the I love cover. a clenched jaw. But, love a clenched jaw. So but, I'm okay. Yeah. I I don't feel. I like- mean, he's cute. He looked like a He's military boy who could get it. Yeah, he you is. know what I'm saying. He can get it. <laughs> he can get it. I'm it not does complaining. Not to speak. It does not speak to the pain of Tor or the angst of this book, but yeah. he can get it. That's a fair statement. That mm-hmm. boy can get it. Yes. Hashtag he can get it. <laughs> okay, so where we left off in the last book, um, who did we? Who was the last book about? I don't know because we were crying that Blay and Quinn weren't next because we thought they were next. 
And then they oh were my next. god, you you guys, I had the saddest, saddest, saddest revelation. So I was thrilled, thrilled that Blay and Quinn were gonna be our next book that we were gonna be reading and reviewing. And then I, for some reason, like double checked and realized that in my notes, in our spreadsheet, I had accidentally not written down Lover Reborn as an option in the order that we were reading. And now we had to read this book, but really I wanted to be reading Lover at Last and I can't start Lover at Last till after we do the podcast (laughs) because otherwise too many things happen and I start getting confused and then I can't keep my thoughts straight for you guys. And I, to say I was devastated (laughs) is maybe an an understatement. understatement. (laughs) I was... I was just so mad. I when you told so, me that, I was like, no. So disappointed. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Anyways, let, we're going to get through this book. It's all going to be okay. There were some good things about it. Okay, so where we left off last time was Payne's book with Manny. So at the end, you know, Payne is okay. Everyone is happy. No one has come with Payne from the other side. Okay, so wait. I'm going to stop it? you real quick. Because okay. Jim Frangione says her name is Noone. Right? What? Which I'm assuming is J.R. Ward's pronunciation. Her name is No Own and not No One, which is weird because as I, as I am reading it, I mean, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, how do you spell No Own? Because I feel like you would spell it No One or whatever. And when I was doing my notes, I was like, is it no? Is it O-N-E or O-W-N? Like No Own or whatever. So, so then when I was looking on Goodreads, Everybody was confused. Like, how the heck do you say this? Or whatever. But because I'm hearing it the whole time, her name was Noone. No. Yeah. Hard pass, Shawnee. I, I, listen, why would, he, why would he rename her if her name wasn't No One? What's the point of renaming her if it's Noone? Noone I, is just a perfectly respectable, weird name of this <laughs> society. No, I understand why you would want to rename someone whose name is no one because it's pretty hard to be like, no one, I want to come lick your clit or something. But like, but like, no own. Okay, that could just but, be one of these weird, but her daughter's I thought, name is Zexena. <laughs> but I thought no own was literally like no one in Wait, the old language. Wait, did you language. know that Zex is pronounced hex? No. 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 Bridget, stop rewriting my life now. <laughs> I'm never going to call her that. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. It's Zex. I don't care. All right, wait, okay. Are you care. looking at J.R. Ward's website right now for all the pronunciations? Because it I'm, exists. I'm looking through the chats right now, and it's the. it seems to be that people think her name is Hex. Don't like it. Okay. Score, for which we agreed on, and Throw, yes. which I'm fine with. But where's no one? Show me no one. Okay, so I'm just going off of the pronunciations from Jim Frangione. At some point in the book, somebody corrected all of his pronunciations because he switched them. And Zex Zex is definitely Zex. Zadist is definitely Zadist. They don't say Sadist in the audio. Really? Yeah, in the audio. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything. And no one is no own. I don't like that at all. I hate to be the bearer of this news for you, Bridget. (laughs) I literally don't accept it. I'm looking at the glo- <laughs> I'm looking at the glossary on JR Ward's website right now because <laughs> And what does it say? Tell me what it says. 
I'm, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find it actually but like oh this gosh. is you honestly like this book makes no sense first of all tell me what you think I was going to talk about this way later but let's just dive in tell me what you think about the name autumn first of all terrible name terrible it's terrible. terrible name first of it's all it's so bad First of all, I was like, I apologize. I apologize in advance. If your name is Autumn, you're not terrible. It's just a terrible name for her character. Yes. It doesn't fit into like the nomenclature of the world. Like, I think she should have just said no one. What's wrong with no one? Like, my thing was, okay, that renaming somebody who has chosen their name, I think is a bullshit move. She it's didn't, rude as fuck. If she went to you and was like, hey, can you give me a new name? I think I've outgrown this name and I want you to give me one. Then I'm like, cool. But if you're just like, hey, I can no longer call you the name that you want to be called. And I'm just going to make up a name for you. You know what? Autumn is my favorite season. I will name you that now. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey, girl. Now you Autumn. Hey, girl. I just, I just, <laughs> I just. I just glowed you up, girl. I just glowed you up. Look at yeah, this. Because it's it's not like he gave her a nickname. Like, oh, your name is no one. Okay, I'm gonna call you like wonderful Noonie. or some or some shit. Yeah, or like new new or whatever. Uh, because that would have been fun. Yeah, I just think it's I mean, I get the like, I get what he was saying, which is like you were hiding who you are. And you aren't no one to me. You're a person and I want you to like be a person again. And she didn't want to use her old name. And so like, okay, that I kind of, okay, sure. I get where like it was going, but if her name is known, then like who the fuck cares? Leave it. It only makes sense if it's no one. Okay. This whole plot line is garbage if it's not no one. (laughs) It's weird because even saying like no own, no own is like, it was like, difficult when I was trying to say it but like I don't know when he when they started calling her autumn like halfway yeah. through the story it threw me every Hated time it. I was like who's autumn who's this autumn person again oh oh yeah okay <laughs> no totally I thought no own was way more interesting I liked the name and I, like I didn't like the renaming but the only reason I I did the only plus side of the name Autumn for me was symbolic yeah. of her journey to where she was. Because I felt like when she got kidnapped by the sympath, that was the spring. And she killed herself and went to the, to the, to, you know, with the chosen up, up there. And, uh, right. was it the sanctuary? And that was the summer, you know? And now this is a new part of her life. And I felt like, okay, she's getting a new chance and this is Autumn. That was how I took the name, you know, thing. But I hate to see what winter looks like for her. Hopefully it's cozy. Ooh, what do you call that when you get cold and you get a snuggle buddy? What do what do people over in the cold weather call that? Like a cuddle buddy? A snuggle buddy? Yeah. There's like a word for it when you like get a boo just for the winter time. Oh. I should know this because I used to have one of those, but I don't remember <laughs> what they're called. I'm like, you definitely had to have one of these. <laughs> I, I had a few. There were a few winters that I needed someone to help me stay warm and occupy my time when it was dark outside from 4 p.m. until 8 a.m. I never uh, I right. never knew what this was called because I've only ever lived in Los Angeles and Miami. Like, there's no, most of the time you're like, get off me, I'm sweating. 
<laughs> oh my God. I have to tell you this one bougie thing that we just got, and then we have to talk about this book, Shani. Okay. I got, me and my husband got those like cooling, water cooling mat things that you put over your mattress so that you can chill your mattress down so that you don't get hot while you're sleeping. Because you know I get so hot, I wake up yeah. sweating all the time. And now I sleep in a blissful, chilled state, <laughs> and it's wonderful. I never wake up sweaty, and I sleep like a dead person again, and it's fabulous. Goals. Life goals, Bridget. Life goal. <laughs> it's so bougie, and we did it. And also, I'm, I'm going to need it. you to send me a link to that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're crazy expensive, but it's it's been worth it so far. We've only had it for like a week. Okay, let's talk about this book. So where we left right. off last book. No one had come down with pain to serve her. And it turns out that we find out that no one is Zex's mom. Mm-hmm. And that obviously Tor was with her when she gave birth and like took care of her for that year. And now we are in Tor's book. So the the beginning of the book picks up with Tor is has in the last book has basically did his first feeding from Selena and sort of decided, oh, I have to eat and be alive so that I can get revenge on the lessening society on the behalf of Wellesley and the undead son. Except for then in the beginning of this book, he's like not eating or feeding again. So I'm like, didn't we just cover this the last book where we said that you need to be feeding so you're strong enough to fight? So in this book, it starts out with him like basically like running himself to death. John Matthew and Quinn are like worried he's not going to make it back. Yeah. And he's not feeding. Um, Yeah, so that's where we start out the book. Uh, There were a couple of things at the beginning of the book that I was slightly shocked at. One of which is that, did you catch the line where it turns out that Fritz was the Dogen in no one's household when she was in in the Glymera, like before she got taken by the Sympath? Yeah. He was that... Dogen from her past. And I was like, oh, full circle. I totally didn't catch that. I didn't catch okay. that the first time. I not not I didn't either. at all. Mostly because I think but I, I liked it. pay attention too much to the Dogen. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I also thought it was pretty sad in one of the scenes, Tor is looking around and he's looking at like Mary and Jane and he's like, why the fuck didn't Wellesley get saved? Like, all these bitches got saved by some shiny magic. Why was I the only one who lost their female? I think that and shit is hilarious he, when I he th- says that. I, He's like, she's a damn ghost. <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's justified, though, because yeah. that is some bullshit that he's the only one that didn't get their I, their okay. female saved. So I, th- I think there's a whole bunch about, like, tourist storyline. That's a bunch of bullshit, right? One, the fact that Wellesley didn't get saved. Like, JR put her there just to use her as a tool to get us in our fields or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't get saved. And she's in this in-between because Tor won't let her go, right? Which yeah. I th- I think is some bullshit. Because who dies and their and their family or loved ones just let them go? Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody. Yeah, but... Yeah, but usually in their society, they have, like, the fade ceremony. And so they're literally, like, they're doing the whole ritual to acknowledge the death. Because I think the problem isn't that he didn't, like, let her go in the sense of, like, 
I'm still, I still love her. And like, I don't want to replace her with someone else, but he like, wasn't even saying her name or acknowledge. He was like speaking of her in the present tense. Yeah. Like he wasn't even, he was, he hadn't even gotten to the point of like, she is dead. <laughs> like that's where he needed to get to. <laughs> she has died and I must give away her things and have a fade ceremony. Cause that's really the end of the book. It's like, he just like, it takes him fucking 500 pages to get there. Yeah. But literally, he has to just acknowledge that she's dead, give away all the things she'll never use again, and have an actual fade ceremony where he says goodbye to her, and then she go, and then she's fine. Also, the sad part of that whole fade ceremony, by the way, is like, you know, the branding afterwards, like, of the name oh, on the... Oh, that was the, so sad. Oh, oh, God. I was like, oh, was so oh no. Sad. Oh, God. And there's, like, a part of me, though. I did like that they didn't make um, No Own or Autumn. Um, I, I liked I, that he didn't, like, bond with her. It wasn't... They didn't rewrite how bonding works, per se. Like, uh-huh. you know, even though that they're getting together. Um, and I did feel like there was this weird kinship with, with her. As if, like, if he had never met Wellesley, right? That he would have married her, maybe he might, yeah, like he might have married her already from the past, or he, he might have bonded with her in the past. But I think yeah. it's like bonding is like once that ship sails, it sails. Like, and you probably have like you know a ten soulmates on the planet, and whoever hits you first gets the gets the ride. You know, gets it, you get it, <laughs> you get it. You know, so I did kind of like that. There, you could speculate that in the back of your mind that maybe you know in another alternate reality. They could have totally, been, you know. I agree. Um, did you catch the line where Tor says that males, even bonded ones, sometimes sleep around? Yes. But I was never one of those. And I was like, no, they fucking don't, says nine other books. Yes. I didn't like that. Uh, I, I did not like that no. at all. Let's not rewrite history. Once they're bonded, that is it. They they don't cheat and the brothers don't ever cheat and even when they've talked nope. about it, like are you cheating they weren't ever cheating I thought that was a rewrite I didn't like it I thought I thought it put it in there uh, just to justify some things that are coming up or or talked about I was like mm, no Jr yeah. not today not today Jr we ain't doing this today okay not today, I'm getting through Warden. I'm getting through quarantine right now Jr yes okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Don't fuck with my quarantine <laughs> vibes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This this book was definitely, I feel like, too sad to be reading during quarantine. Like, the only movies and books I've been reading have been very happy and, like, very fluffy ones, except for this. And I think this was a little heavy for quarantine. It was It was a bit heavy. I was like, bitch, don't kill my vibe, man. This is not, this is not yeah. off. Yeah. I was mm, uh, I, I had okay. so many feelings about this book. <laughs> How, okay, can you please talk to me a little bit about your feelings about how Tor did not deserve her? Because he was a colossal asshole to her like five different times in this book where he absolutely like lost his shit on her. Like the first time when she's in the pool and he accuses her of like coming down to like trap a man <laughs> and that she's a whore and all this other stuff. And I'm like, She's under a hood, head to toe, and never speaks to anyone. Like, you need to jump the fuck back. But, like, I I honestly feel like I just wish this book had been different because well, I, like, it makes sense to me that he was, like, not able to acknowledge his feelings for her. But 
He was, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I feel like his affection for her was very much like aftermath, not on purpose ever. Yeah. Until the very last thing he said to her. I like, okay, Bridget, I, like everything for me about this book with, with that couple entirely. I love the John Matthew Zeck storyline, but we'll get to that later. But like, yeah. But like for, for their storyline, everything felt contrived to me. Everything did not, like, didn't feel justified in what they were doing. Um, the way Tor kept reacting to her was so aggressive and over the top. Um, and I don't really like, I mean, I do love an alpha male. And if I specifically read a book where the, I know the alpha male is going to be an asshole and that's going to be the thing, like, I'll accept it. But sometimes, like, I don't. And I don't, I don't expect that from Tor. And I don't expect in these books, like, to have uh, this character who is almost at all turns being an asshole, you know, and then at the end they fall in love. Like, it's almost yeah. like I'm watching her go into an abusive relationship, you know, where someone yeah. is, is like treating her poorly or love bombing her and going back and forth and she's at the depths of despair and then all of a sudden it's okay again. And I mean, I did like at, the, at least at the very end, you know, she was like, fuck off. You know, <laughs> when, he, when he came. Yeah, she's like, like, the a, circle is complete. Like, complete. you can... Yeah. back the fuck out of this house and go thank you yeah you know at least uh, she had that moment but like and i yeah. and i and i did accept like the idea that she was doing penance continually doing penance you know um yeah but yeah. but it was just too much and it didn't make sense and then mm -hmm. when he like go when she has her needing and he goes in there and he's like flipping off and then he drugs himself which that visual I know. that visual in my mind was hilarious of him just like staggering both like, legs and being like that was so hard like if you weren't gonna be there for her then why go in at all yeah like he went in to just yell at her and I'm not saying he was wrong cause it's fucking crazy that she didn't get the drugs but uh, and she even says later, like, oh, I was trying to punish myself. I did think I deserve that. So, like, that's fine. But, like. But he was such, he was, like, first of all, I totally agree with you that this is totally against his character in all the other books. And obviously he's in a lot of pain. But I don't think that, like, fundamentally makes you a completely different person. Like, he's always been very caring and very, like, I don't know, like, I like very, like, just, like, worthy. And, like, yeah. everyone looks to him and respects him. He was a male of worth, it, Bridget. He was a male of worth. Yes, he was a male of worth. And in this book, he was just, first a, of all, so dumb. He was a pap. So dumb. Because Lassiter literally told you the problem. Mm -hmm. He is an angel. He literally told you how to solve it. And you took a year to set them free? Pab. Like, I would have preferred if he had, if Lassiter had said something like, I think she's the key to letting them go. And he was like, I'm not ready for that, but I'm going to let them go in my own. And then he like, at the beginning of the book, like, or like maybe in the middle, like gave away her stuff, packed up the house, like said goodbye, had the fade ceremony, like, and then continued his, and then like deepened his relationship with her later because it felt so, like, honestly, I just kept being like, you're a fucking idiot. That's a whole book. I kept being like, you're a fucking idiot. 
Yeah. And he even says, I I know I'm the problem. Well, fucking fix it then, bro. <laughs> You're about to trap your wife and unborn kid in this land because you aren't man enough to just fix it. Like, I did not. That annoyed me so much. Yeah. Because I really like his character. I I I forgot this book I'm, existed, but once I did, I was like, yeah. okay, I, I'm on the I'm on board for it. And then I just felt like they rewrote, you know like who he was and I know I'm trying to allow right for growth of character for people to be you know um flawed and for honestly things to manifest in a way you never thought they did because now you're hitting a new trigger that you never hit before right um right but I don't think there's any part of tour that would be so vicious you know to no own yeah like like I I could see the first like I was okay with the first scene, like when he flips out seeing her naked and he's just like, she's so naked. That was like his response. Like, oh my God, she was really (laughs) fucking naked. Like I can understand that where he just like, like literally loses because he realizes he's looking at her and he just like loses his fucking mind for a second because he doesn't like he's so freaked out. But like that happened so too many times. One time- Okay. Okay. And I can understand him being like reticent with her and like standoffish. And like, I I was okay with like the slow steps that they took together. Like that I thought was fine. Like, but yeah, I just didn't like how he was about the, the one scene I did like, which I felt like at the very end, he was like, and maybe that was her point was that like when he finally said goodbye to Wellesley, he was finally, like, tore again, I guess. Because mm-hmm. he did say, this is one of my favorite lines, he said, it's hard when you've loved one person with everything you've got and she's gone and someone else comes and treads all over her territory in your heart. And I thought that that was very lovely because I do think that's true. Like, when you've reserved that part of yourself for someone and then someone new comes in, uh, I, that is a very sad and scary thing sometimes. I thought that um, it would have been... The slow burn, like what you're talking about, the slow burn for me would have been better. I I liked that Noon got the dress and she was cleaning it for him and bringing it back to him. I thought that was a really great Mm -hmm. nod to Wellesley, you know, and Mm -hmm. I thought they could have had a lot of these little moments or whatever Mm -hmm. that really, you know, built it up. And then she was slowly getting under his skin. You you know, you watch it. I could even see him fighting that and being like, ah, you know, a little bit about that. But like. Um, I guess yeah. just the trajectory they took to me was like a you know a bull in a china shop, like it just it just yeah. crushed yeah. everything that you thought you knew about yeah. these characters and it just made you feel like uh-huh. uh, I just you know how I feel and- I, I don't like when books make me feel like I'm not an intelligent human being and this book for me made yeah. me feel like I was stupid at some points so I was just like yeah. ah, I can't with this and how did you feel I felt like none of the steps they took together were except for her offering to feed him I didn't feel like any of the steps were him choosing her I thought they were all him trying to let go of Wellesley well yeah and 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 no one accepting that and being okay with that but at the same time that didn't make me feel like they were in love like that didn't make me feel 
excited about them or no. excited that he was like or like it didn't give me that like squee like oh he's falling in love with her because he was like i'm gonna just grit my teeth and bear this and i was like okay well that's no fun for anyone <laughs> like i don't want to read about that sex that sounds terrible imagine you, i imagine it being like this old staunch priest like falling in love with this old staunch nun like i don't know <laughs> like that's how i felt about them like at every turn um I think that everything he did was to try to get, you know, Wellesley out of the fade. And then, of course, he throws that in her face later on. He's like, you know, I'm just using you. And, and you know, I know. And I know you're in love with me. You say it every night in your dreams. And I was like, way I was harsh. Like, another another aggressively harsh moment. I was like, yo, man, there's no coming back from that. There's some things you say. <laughs> right. And then you that's it. <sighs> Like, you know, you put a period, fucked up. you put a period on what up. we could have had, you know? And yeah. so I, I just, oh man, I, I, yeah, like he did do that. And I, I just felt that, um, he, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm being redundant here in the fact that I just did not, I didn't like him. I didn't like Tor. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's just move on and close out their chapter. What did you think about yet another magical save? of a female character, this time by Lassiter, going up to negotiate with the creator on behalf of no one, a.k.a. Autumn. Okay, so I'm completely over magical saves. I don't like that that being used in any story. I don't like when you can write yourself into a corner and then just use magic and things that are not seen to fix it. It's like, for me, one of the laziest... Uh, things you can do in a story and I think it completely undermines the intelligence of your reader at all times so sorry not yeah, sorry I JR been, I would have been down for it if we got to go with Lassiter yeah like, if we had gotten a chapter to go with Lassiter and we get to see the negotiation and see what he's willing to give up because part a I really liked Lassiter I thought he was sassy and I feel like that would have like even deepened how much I'm starting to like his character and would have given us more insight. Plus we would have met the creator, which would have been cool. Like I, I, I if it's going to happen, I want to be there. Like I want to be in on it. Yeah. We get, we get to be in everyone else's minds. We had to deal with Fury's wizard for a fucking book. Like, Oh God. If, if it's going to happen, I want to be there. And I was not happy that we didn't get to be there. And that, and that it happened so quick. So she poops quick. away. And then she just poofs right back. Ten minutes later, it's like and, and, poof, and poof. I, I feel like I felt like I wanted to see Tor deal with that way longer than right ten minutes. Like yeah, and how, I wanted to see him like not lose it this time. Yeah, and like stand up as a person and just still be good. Like I don't know. Oh, part of me is well, I don't know, Bridget. I'm just like what. What the fuck? Like, really? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. It's just, yeah. I wanted, you know what, Shani? We wanted a lot of things. You know what? I need a moment to wash away the taste of Tor and no one slash Autumn's slash kind no of own. romance. No own slash no own. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to jump right into John Matthew and Zex. Oh, thank God. Quinn and Blay, Score and Layla. There's so much else happening in this book to be happy about. So let's take a break and then dive back in. 
Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. Okay, welcome back. I feel refreshed and ready to talk about some of our fan favorites. John Matthew and Zex. Shawnee. goodness. Were you mm-hmm. happy that they were featured again because they literally weren't in the last book at all? Or were you sad that they had to go through this marital struggle? I was so happy, Bridget. I just wanted more of them in general. I was like, don't ever not put them in a book, even if it's just a chapter of some banging. I need my fix of John Matthew and Zexanya. You know what I'm saying? That's that's how yes. I felt. That's how I felt about it. And yeah. and I felt a little bit of redemption from the tour storyline with them because theirs felt a less contrived of a situation. It felt like something that could really happen. You know, and so, um, and even though I was frustrated, it didn't feel like I was just like treated like an idiot, like this, you know, that I was just have to buy something because it was written. And so mm-hmm. I was, I was there for it. I was all the way there for it, Bridget. I was also there for it. I have another favorite line. Uh, and she said, but she feared that once your name was on the back of a male or worse, a full-blooded warrior male, things changed, expectations shifted. And she also talks about how, like, maybe John Matthew literally could not have helped flipping out because of the bonded male and that this, like, human skin was just covering the animal underneath. And I was like, this is exactly why I forgive so much shit in Paranormal. Because <laughs> they're not human. They're just not. It's not a human, man. It's an animal. They can't help it. And my favorite thing was, okay, so, like, just to catch everybody up, uh, at the beginning, they're fighting, and they're fighting separately, but then uh, John Matthew, like, ends up over by them and is helping fight the lessers over there, and he, like, literally loses his mind. He goes, like, full caveman, and he screams at her that she's injured and she needs to go home, and she's well, like, she gets, I can like, still fight. in the chest. Yeah, and he's like, you need to go. You're being stupid. Like, and all the other brothers are like, whoa, too far, bro. And she's just like, fuck you. You would never say this to them. And this is some, like, chauvinistic bullshit. And the next, and they get this massive fight. So then they make up from that fight. And then they're in Wrath's study. And she's saying, hey, I'll go after the band of bastards during the day because I can go out during the day and I can find them for you and blah, blah. And no one says yes. Everyone just looks at John Matthew and she's like, what the fuck? You're going to look at him? Oh, hell no. I'm the fuck out of here. And I was like, yes. Yes, girl. You tell those motherfuckers what it is. And I I just like, I think it is such a, like I happy that it's happening because like she's really the only female that it could happen with because she's the only fighter except for pain and I feel like pain is kind of in like this weird other class where she's half deity and like she's in so the I am mad pain is like, in the like I, bitch can't tell me nothing like right exactly class. like she's in right like she's she's and also, like, Manny isn't in the Brotherhood, so it's he's not in those meetings, so no yeah. one is there to, like, look for. I mean, I guess they could look at Vicious, maybe. But 
one thing I did think was interesting about this book, which uh, one of the reviewers I was reading commented about, uh, was that pain isn't in this book at all. No. But you would think, being the only other female warrior, she at least would have, like, been mentioned or had a conversation or stuck up for Zex, but she's, like, not even, not one well, single line of dialogue. I felt like, I felt like they couldn't put pain because then hit that this storyline would have taken a different shift like if there was another woman in that room to be like yo what the fuck like then you would have had to have more conversation about this you you couldn't have got these moments right. where nobody st- stood up for zex in that room right and you and you were just right. like oof oof yeah you know and everybody's looking at john yeah. matthew and she's looking at john matthew like what you gonna do what you gonna do fool and yeah. he's just like yeah. ah, you know what i can't uh, you know i'm mute I can't speak yes. right now. And, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. When he like grabs her arm and she's like, you better let me go before I make you let me go. I was like, oh boy. Oof. Oh boy. The, uh, I, there was a scene I liked um, in the beginning when, uh, when she does get injured and they take her back to the hospital and she's in the room. And while she's laying in the room, she wakes up and he's not in there. And she goes into this like overthinking spiral and yeah. I love it because I feel like that that yeah. overthinking spiral was, was so realistic. She's like, are we even yeah. a couple? Do Are we even together? Yeah. Is this going to be right? He's not even here. He doesn't care for me. And then she walks yeah. out the door and he's like laying there on the and floor And she's like, I'm pretending like I'm not searching for my mate. Yeah. <laughs> she's clearly <laughs> looking for him. He's right there. You know, and then as soon as she sees him, she was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I feel like there's just moments like I've had moments like that where I'm like in my mind just just circling like ooh he go get it i'm i'm so mad i'm like <laughs> and then and then like one second it's like deflated you're just like <laughs> yeah yeah and then later i mean she does the same thing later when he uh wrath comes so okay so a lot of things happen but wrath eventually asks her to come and find the band of bastards for them during the day and it turns out that John Matthew was the one that was like hey we should get Zex to do this she's the only one who can and she like stomps into their room and he's like why aren't you happy about this i thought this is what you wanted she's like why would he be happy you're not bonded to me anymore and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> and she's like well you're offering to let me go into danger so we clearly aren't bonded anymore and he's like you're so stupid i want you back i'm trying to show you through actions that i mean what i say that i mean that i trust you and i mean that you're you're strong enough and i think that you're the baddest of the bitches uh and that revelation of course came about because of the shootout at a sales where wrath gets injured tell the people what happened shawnee Ooh, at a sales when they go to meet a sale and then all hell breaks loose when everybody's getting shot up which i think is really a sale just in general let me back a little that character a sales character to me is so great. I love that character. I'm excited I, about him. I'm he excited. reminds me. I'm excited he reminds me a little him. bit of like revenge. It's like I get an, an, a like a revenge uh-huh. fix from him a little bit. Um, uh-huh. where, like I like, but like these, more more like Rico Suave. Like more like yes. cultured, like and less metrosexual. More just yeah. It's like it's like a metrosexual yes. gangster, and I love this yes. like feeling. Yes. <laughs> 
whatever. I'm stoked I, about him. I like the whole time when he's like, you know, well, I told us to go in the living room because that's bulletproof glass, but y'all ain't listening to me right now. And the whole time they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to kill you. And he's like, that's fine. You can kill me. But then I can't tell you which car is bulletproof. You know, like. The whole- right. Yeah. He's <laughs> so calm. He's just he's like, hashtag well, unbothered. And I, yeah, I just. I so unbothered. That. So yes. like, so Wrath and them, they go to Aseos to have that meeting with him and then score in the band of bra- bastards. Like, uh, there's a sniper um, who shoots him. I forget what, what that guy's name is, but um, who shoots Wrath like in the neck um, or whatever. And then uh, they proceed to like open fire on the house and all the brothers mm-hmm. are inside. And now that Wrath is injured, they can only take him out physically. He can't dematerialize, which I'm always slightly iffy on this dematerializing. It's because, it's because the dematerializing, they always talk about how you have to be calm and you have to have, like, consciousness. Yeah. So, like, you can't relax enough and be calm enough when blood is, like, gurgling out of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> like, your heart, like, it's just, it's, like, physically. Also, I think they mentioned in one of the books that, like, it might make the injury worse or something. But I think mostly it's about that you have to be able to, like, you have to get your shit together. And if yeah. you're, like, bleeding out and you can't breathe, like, you're not going to be able to do it. Which I I am of the mind that... Um, then Rath knew that going to these places was going to be dangerous, you know, and they talked sure. about Aseo being like, you know, a more dangerous place and what they were going to take to go there and that sort of thing. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just shocked that they didn't have more security. They didn't have like the team that goes in and then they have their own outer perimeter security situation. Mm-hmm. That, to, that to me, I'm like, this is the king of your entire race. Like, ah. Well, they... Yes. I mean, they said the reason they only brought that many was because they didn't want it to look like they were scared and they didn't want and they wanted it to look like an unthreatening visit as yes. as much but as possible. But then you put like you put hidden people. Yeah, people put them in the woods. See. I hear you. you know I hear you. It was and then it was I, and then Quinn with his like whole like he got an accommodation for attacking score and and so that rap okay, could get, like, get well, away. Well, you got to tell the people you didn't even tell the people what happened. Okay. <laughs> you just, so, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at storytelling. Bridget, here we go. Okay. So, Wrath gets hit. All right. They're, the house is in a full-on assault. Sayo tells them, like, look, there's a van in the garage. If you can get there, it's bulletproof. You can get out. You know, but at this time, Score mm-hmm. is like, oh man, the only way they can get out is to the garage. So, he mm-hmm. parks his little ass right next to the garage. But Quinn, is like, oh man, score is gonna be next to the garage. I just know it. I feel it in my bones. So I'm gonna go out there and attack him when Wrath is leaving so that he can't get Wrath. Because Quinn has bright ideas. Like he's not part of a team and a unit that is making plans. He decides to go rogue on his own. Okay. It worked out, but I don't Shawnee, think Shawnee, that's not what happened. What book are you? He didn't decide to go rogue on his own. That was the only option left. The rest of the brothers were pinned down, fighting lessers in the city. And he was the only one who could go out. And so John Matthew and him, he was like, I have to go. I'm the only one who can go. And so he went. It's not like he just left by himself and went rogue. Yes, he he did. The listeners astray. No, I listen. I listen to. I listen to this book. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like they made an executive decision to for Quinn to go out there by himself with the entire band of bastards. Okay, and I I was like, I was like, what you doing, fool? Like, first of all, they talk about. 
They talk about score as if he's a beast, like beast mode. Yeah. Quinn is no beast yeah. mode, okay? Like, yeah, he is. He's not he's beast mode. Beast like, mode. score is beast mode. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's no. not. I'll fight you, Bridget. Score is, hu- I'll fight you. Score is hundreds of years old. He's hundreds of years of being a scary mofo, for sure. He is. I, I, no, I mean. The blood letter. I mean, Quinn is no blood letter. You know, like, he was not raised no. by it. Like, he's a soft. No, he was not. Compared to score. And so, like, him mm-hmm. going out there to do that. That's like, why he gets his ass beat. <laughs> he, got, he got his ass. He got his face crushed in. Like, he got his totally yeah. got his face crushed in. But I a little bit was yeah. like, I was like, mm, I don't know about this. This seems like a suicide mission that you're on Well, right he now. did say the reason, like, I can go because I don't have a mate. Like, you can't go. You have a mate. Like, you, you're important. I'm not. A, no one. Like, I mean, part of it is that he under, doesn't even understand his like self worth. Like he has no self worth. He doesn't yeah. think he's. He doesn't think anyone cares really, because he has no family. He's never been like he's never been a part of his own family, and, and so he, he got li- rid of Blay. And he's an idiot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's an idiot. <laughs> part mm-hmm. A. Yeah. And. Yeah. So anyway, so he does save Wrath by tying up Score so that Score can't shoot Wrath and kill him. Um, and then he gets the accommodation later for saving Wrath's life. I thought that scene was beautiful when everyone's clapping for him and he's so like happy, but also like flustered and embarrassed. And then he's staring at Blay, and I was like, oh, stare at Blay some more. <laughs> I do like that in this book, there was like between Blay and Quinn, finally, like they are just acknowledging the feelings yeah. now. It's yeah. not no more of this like angsty teenage bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Go. What about that scene where uh, Blay is yelling at John Matthew for leaving Quinn behind? And I was like, that's a repeat of their book too. Yeah. Um, and and Quinn says, "I love you," and he means to Blay. And John Matthew's like, "I love you too. I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, John Matthew, stop cock blocking. Right get, get out of the middle, bro. <laughs> we're shipping the quay where we want the quay love uh <laughs> i man uh, i thought that shit was uh when when john matthew was like oh i love you too bro i was like oh oh god uh, uh, <laughs> what about the scene though just, bridget and when blade when blade tells saxon that he's still in love with quinn <gasps> and then uh, with no lube just yes, oh, oh, Fox, I'm just bends him over and it's like, <laughs> and Saxon's just like, I'm yeah. with it. Let's go. What you got? I, yeah. Like Saxon's popping off at the mouth, and then Blaze yeah. like, oh, oh, you want me? We gonna do this? Like, and I a little bit. I mean, one, I was like, this must feel really painful. But for the for the spirit of what the scene is, <laughs> yeah, I was like, no lube. That's that's gonna be painful. I right. mean, they're va- but, they're vampires, Shawnee. They're vampires. So what do they? They're not human lube? beings. They're vampires. We don't know. They are vampires. They are vampires. Listen, I chose. Also, they were fucking earlier that day. So maybe he's still all ready to go. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, Bridget. (laughs) (laughs) All of the mental. I don't even cur. I don't even cur. Also, they heal in a snap. They heal in a snap. So who cares? They're Vampires. <laughs> for the spirit uh, of the scene, I was there for it. I was like, "This shit is hot." <laughs> Here, I have. I got the quote. That was one of my favorite quotes. It says, "Okay, so to put it in context, um, 
This was right after Blay realizes that Layla has gone into her needing and that Quinn is going to service her and it's going to result in a young. And Blay thinks that Quinn is going to end up mating Layla because they have yet to have a conversation about that. And so he tells Saxton that he's still in love. And Saxton's like, did you think you weren't? And I was like, Saxton, I love you. Uh, And then... Blay says, if you don't get the fuck out of my way, I'm going to bend you over that desk of yours. And Saxon's like, prove it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. he going to prove it, prove but it. He going to oh, prove oh, it, prove uh, it. Get it, 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 get it. Oh, 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 And then at the end, Quinn is like, he's like, okay, enough. I'm sick of myself. Like, I'm going to grow the fuck up. Blay, you better get ready because I'm coming for you now. And I was like, he going to get it. He going to get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. This this scene is so hot. I mean, you a little bit threw it off for me with the whole truffle butter situation. But I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, Shawnee, they're vampires. They heal... He, Quinn healed a literal ass whooping from score where his face was unrecognizable in like six hours. So like going in with no lube, he's already healed from that by the second thrust. That's just how I think. Oh, wouldn't that be so nice, Bridget? It would be great. Everything would be great. I've said this before. If I could heal like a vampire... I would have 40 children. I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, yo, Hubs, give me a little sip, sip of that blood. Get me back to my old self. Get me back in fighting form. Yeah. Eat a sandwich and I'd be fucking fine. It'd be great. All right. So let's quick wrap up uh, John Matthew and Zex. So where we just left off was that John Matthew basically realizes oh, I let Quinn go out into danger knowing he might die. And, like, the only reason I'm not doing it for Zex is because she's female. And I'm, like, treating that like it's a disability, like something's wrong with her, and that's wrong. So he basically puts into motion in actions that he's willing to let her be in harm's way. He goes to Wrath, says she should hunt them. Um, It's, like, his idea. And then when he finds out that Layla fed score, he's like, I, they told me specifically not to do this, so please don't tell the primal and the king. <laughs> but Layla has fed him and can find him for you, so go and use her. And, like, she realizes that he's putting her before everyone else. Um, and I liked that, like, once he got halfway through the book and realized he was a fucking moron, he really, like, stepped up. He was like, look... This feels like a booty call. Like, I'm your Hellrin. I want to be with you every day. I don't want to only have these moments. Like, yeah. and I'm going to show you through actions, not just words. I'm going to show you that I mean it. And then at the very end of the book, um, they say something like he opens himself. Op- like, so he takes out all of his emotional walls so that she can read his whole grid. And she can, like, read the resolve and the love and that he's serious. And I liked that. First of all, I think it's fun that Zex gives zero fucks about reading people's emotional grids. <laughs> like, Reve- Revenge is always trying not to because I feel like when he does, he's immediately, like, in evil town and he wants to manipulate them. But Zex is, like, constantly reading everyone just to, oh, like, yeah. test out the water, see where everyone's at, uh, which I like about her. But um, I, was down- I, was, I was really happy because I felt like it was a justified storyline, like you said, and 
I felt like it evolved in a very believable manner over the course of the year. Yeah. Like it didn't get solved in one day. It was like many actions over time and then they like worked their way back to each other, which yeah. I liked. I li- I like that a lot. Um I did again think it was super believable. I did like that it took a year and that JR let this uh this book breathe um mm-hmm. a bit more. Some of them we found mm-hmm. are like happening over the course of 2 weeks and that sort of thing. Yeah. I thought it, like <laughs> them as newlyweds, the the way they're navigating being newlyweds. Um mm-hmm. I really uh I really dug it. I I thought that John Matthew, he always strikes me as a thoughtful character. You know, there was a mm-hmm. time where he went like kind of like numb in the mind and dead in the mind, but that was only like one mm-hmm. book. That he did that. Yeah. He went to that extreme and then he came back. And he's always been like a thoughtful person. And with Zex, he's always known that he has to let her fight. He wasn't, it's it's plausible that he wasn't prepared for the feelings of having, you know, totally. being a bonded male and having a shell in. And then knowing yeah. that his adopted mother was killed and what his like adopted father is going through. And like, mm-hmm. so like, uh, for me, I, I could... As even though I wanted to shake him, there's so many parts where I wanted to shake him. When she when she was in that yeah. room looking at him, and all the brothers are there, and they're like looking at him, and she's yeah. looking at him, like, "Are you going to defend me?" Like that's a let's, he should have like been a, like he should have been like, "What are you looking at?" That's the appropriate yeah. response. Why are you looking at me? Yeah, you know, I was like, "Oh, I mean, I felt that that moment to the, to the core." I just I think any totally. woman any woman I think can feel that moment 100%. to the core, and so. 100%. Um, uh, I thought that her being like, no, you know what, fuck this, I'm out, and going to get her old job back and moving into her old apartment. I felt that was justified for her character. I feel like that's what a Zex, that's what Zex would do because she's used to taking care of herself. If somebody's not going to stick up yep. for her, she's going to stick up for her, um, mm-hmm. and doing all that, and then it taking a year for him to like woo her back, and also taking some months for him to convince himself that yo, I don't have the right to take her agency away, and that's the one yep. thing about about all of these books that keeps that keeps coming back for me with Zex, with The Chosen, with Pain, because, you know, it's very, like, a patriarchal book um, or series. Uh, and we talked about The Chosen being free now, and The Chosen aren't free. Like, when you look at, uh, when you look at Zex and how the, all the guys are controlling her acts, trying to control her actions now, and when you look at uh, Layla um, feeding feeding throw and them not ever telling her that you're feeding our enemy. Um, yeah, that was fucked up. That that's was our fu- next topic. Yeah, that's I won't super go, fucked up. I won't go all the way into it, but like they they're not giving them information, so they're not giving them the yeah. right to choose what they're doing. Yeah, you know they yeah. let her like because Layla still would have fed him. Yeah, if they had asked her, I think she. I think if they had asked her and told her the truth. She still would have done it. I think she would have. But they didn't give her a choice. And she would have been protected later. That was so fucked up. It really was. And she and she even though she's free and she knows it, she she throughout the whole book she talks about how she only has one purpose. She doesn't have yeah. even she doesn't have the amount of, the information to know what options are available to her. And even when mm-hmm. she's like begging you know, to be to be serviced in her needing because she's like, if I have a baby, then then I'll have a purpose. I'll have something. It's mine. Yeah, yeah it's mine. It'll Someone be my own. Me, you know, and so yeah. And like, same with Quinn. I thought that was a really nice moment of bonding for them and of like similar purpose, where they both feel untethered. And even though they're not in love, they're like, she's like, we will have something that is just ours. 
that no one can ever take away and that we can raise the way we want and we can love it and it will love us. And I thought that was, I know a lot of people were really annoyed about the Layla Quinn deciding to have a kid thing. I actually thought it made perfect sense. I did too. Because when when you're alone and you're and you feel like you have no family, like I thought them f- like creating this little family, I actually thought was really uh poignant. A little sad, a little bittersweet, but I did really like that scene. Well, also like uh, so I did read in some people's reviews that they were like, "Oh, this that feels contrived that situation." I di- really didn't think it did. Over the course of all the books, you start you feel Quinn's angst for not being a part of his own family, Layla having yep. nothing of her own. Okay? Yep. Um purely feeling that her purpose on the planet is to serve these other people. Um and so in a moment where she's thrown into her needing because no one's needing, um, and Quinn is there, the, um, I think if they, the decision was impulsive, you know, she was like, it could be, you know, we could have this thing whatever. And they do it very quickly. And for me, it, it only works in the scenario where they do it impulsively. I feel like if they're sitting and thinking about it and Quinn walked away and thought right. about yeah, it. Yeah. Like the next time I have a needing in four years, will you yeah. service me? Then, it, then it does, then it doesn't work, you know, but right. him, Quinn knowing that if he had died out there with score, he'd already gotten beat up. Mm-hmm. He was going to be alone. Mm-hmm. He had nobody, you know, that, or he felt he had mm-hmm. nobody he was attached to that he was disposable. It made total sense to me. And then he'd already had yeah. the vision of seeing his child and yeah. he knew that the child would come through and Layla would come through. I felt like it, mm-hmm. it did. It worked in that spontaneous moment that it did. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. also like it in the tool that later on it gives this uh, gay couple an ab- the chance to be a parent, which you that never would, see yeah. because if couples are gay, then they have to go through the adoption process. You know? <laughs> It's right. not. It's totally. not. A, it's not as quick a thing. So this gives Blay and Quinn later the ability to be parents, um, yeah. or whatever, and get that happily ever after with a kid. You know, secret yes, baby. Totally. Like, totally. <laughs> secret, thing, baby. secret baby. Secret baby. <laughs> you know, with with uh, in a natural, organic way. So I thought I thought it worked. Um, but again, like just going back to like the the women, the agency of the women in this book. Like you actually don't hear from many of the women in this book you have no own and you have zex who are the main characters but like you don't hear a lot um from bath and marissa Uh, you only you literally only hear from the two of them layla and then you have one scene with marissa at safe place yeah and i think jane for like a a hot second and oh yeah that was actually funny when jane's like i promise i won't tell vicious that you thought i would look at you in a in a sexual way That was, I was like, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, but they weren't present in the book. And so a little bit felt like the female voice um, was was not supported by sisterhood uh, in this book. And I I kind of wish that it was a little bit more. Yep. So remember when like Bella was there and they all went to Bella. And then when Marissa, or not Marissa, when, um, who was having a hard time? Oh, who was having a hard time with their... Oh, when... Yeah, when Marissa was having a hard time with the idea of butch fighting um, and they all went to her and you're like... They were like, look, this is what it means to be a wife of a brother. Like, let join our club because we're a club. And they did not at all embrace no one or try to befriend her. And I'm not saying she was actively, like, trying to mix with the people either. Yeah. But I felt like in the other books, there was a little bit of, like, side sisterhood happening. And in this book... None, yeah. which I was, which 
could have been because they wanted the focus to be on like Zex and no one repairing their relationship. Cause I actually really enjoyed the way that their relationship started to repair as well. And like Zex starting to take her out on the motorcycle rides and like having her experience the world and um, no one apologizing and saying like, I think that you're wonderful and worthy and I'm sorry that I was too weak to see that you could have been that. And like, I thought their development was quite nice. Part of me thinks that like no one is like, um, you ever have that one person in a group who like doesn't really, um, who doesn't really join the group They They complain that nobody wants to let them in their group, but also they don't, they don't put themselves in a position to join the group. Um, and they're sure. always like, it's like that person who's always like, you know what? I just had, I make friends with boys just so much easier than girls or girls don't like me. And you're like, well, you know. You don't really, uh, you know, put yourself out there try. Or, or try <laughs> or with or sometimes with in a group of girls, they're just awkward, you know, like in general. Yeah. Cause I, like I understand, like as an adult, I have a lot of great girlfriends. As a kid, I didn't have a lot of, I had one a good girlfriend at a time, depending on what school I was at. Um, mm-hmm. But that was mostly because I was socially awkward. Like, you know what I mean? And so I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to relate to girls in in like a friendship setting. And so every girlfriend I ever had was also like me and socially awkward. Like every every time I had that one best girlfriend, I was like they had overly yeah. religious parents who would not let them go anywhere and do anything <laughs> and and social, you know, so we spoke the same l- language, yeah. you know. Or I feel I totally I totally feel that. I I was always uh had like a very small group of good friends. Um I did not, It's until like college and then now post-college, um, it was hard because I don't like cattiness at all. And like, I feel like women especially go through a real period of cattiness in like late grade school, middle school, early high school, sometimes late high school, depending. And that's like, I feel like very like trained into you by the media and trained into you by your like examples of other females in your life. And I was not about that. So I had like, once I found a few people that I was like, I love you guys. Let's hang out every day and never talk to anyone else because like, (laughs) I don't want to deal with that nonsense. Like I don't want people spreading rumors. Like I just, I was like not willing to even engage in that, which in some ways is not a good thing because like no one, like sometimes you have to engage and like deal with the bullshit to get the good stuff. So, um, But yeah, it's, yeah, I felt like, I also feel like Layla, like none of them have reached out to Layla either. Yeah. Because she only ever, even the ones who like, she feeds like rage and all them and keeps them all alive. And they're not like, hey, you want to have tea with me? And like, you want to be my friend? They're just like, okay, peace out. Thanks for keeping them alive. Like, get the fuck out of here so we can have sex again. Yeah. Um, And I I just feel bad for Layla. Yeah. It's lonely on the pedestal. She's so lonely. Yeah. And I actually, so I know we've only had now a couple books with score in them. And I actually thought this book I really liked because I feel like I really liked the scene in the last book with pain where once he realized his mistake, he was like, oh, I've, I've wronged you. I release all ideas that we have some sort of blood debt. I'll keep you safe. My bad. I'll let you go. Yeah. And in this book, I liked that they continued that evolution because like while because while he is 
the leader of the Band of Bastards. And while he is a badass asshole in a lot of ways, he's also not unredeemable. Yeah. And when he stabbed Throw, I was like, how the fuck are they going to come back from this? Because I assume he's, you know, you assume that he's going to have a book in the future. And how the fuck is he going to come back from stabbing his number two and literally gutting him and leaving him for lessers? And he, like, doesn't even care whether the, like, the Brotherhood or the lessers get there first. And, but, but I liked that he was so remorseful and repentant and like slap, basically like slashing his wrists to like bleed for him and immediately gave him back like his dead sister's ashes, which he'd been holding over him for like hundreds of years. And, uh, I, I liked that because I was like, if, if it didn't go to that far point, I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to like him yeah. when he's in a love story. Yeah, that's how, that's how I felt too. I was kind of like when he did that uh, to throw. I was like, "Ooh, how do you how do you come back from this?" But I think what the redeeming quality of score is that at every point when his ego bows up, right when he goes, you know, he tries to be the bloodletter, he tries to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, it always backs backfires. Like when he's he yeah. takes he takes pain, he's like, "You killed my father!" And, you know, how dare you? Whatever. And then she's like, "Wait, that ain't yeah. your daddy." And I'm sorry, bro, but this. He's like, "Bullshit." Okay, and he doesn't he doesn't double down um, on yes. a bad idea. Um, and yes. I think I think that's the thing. I I can redeem anybody who has a bad idea and is quickly like, "Oof." So didn't think that out. We're just gonna take several <laughs> steps back, rework this, and you know. Yeah. And I like that he was like, "I'm not the bloodletter." He's like. I've been trying to be this whole time to step into that, but he, that, he was not even my father. He's like, that's not, yeah. that's not who I am. And with, when he does that thing to throw and he is repentant and he's cutting himself, you know, he's like, he's, he, it, it is a physical representation of what he's doing to me, which is, um, is like resurrecting a new, uh, you know, re being reborn in a way, yeah. you know, yeah. um, where he's decided that this is, he no longer wants to lead with that ego first um, right. or whatnot. And so that really was the thing that you were like, oh, and I also like the scene where he get, you know, they give back the sister's ashes and they tell, they tell Thoreau, we don't even want the information you've gathered. And Thoreau's like, bitch, you gutted me, <laughs> sent me in there and you don't want my information? Like, I was like, ah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, that would be my reaction too. I was like, wait, yeah. wait. Oh, cause you feel bad now? Oh, cause... <laughs> Yeah. And then he like has cut himself so much and hasn't been eating. So he almost dies. And then Thro has to call upon Layla to save him. <laughs> um, I actually thought that scene was really interesting. So first of all, obviously there was some sort of connection between Score and Layla. So that makes me think they're going to be in the book together. Um, I feel a little bit bad for Thro because he was like, she's so heavenly and beautiful. And like his best friend is going to get her, um, presumably. But I did think that it was really interesting that he's like, I didn't even know if it would work, but he just like sat there and prayed to her and thought about her. And she's like, well, I heard him calling. So I went and I was like, oh, that's so cool because we don't really get like we know they like call the chosen from the other side, but we don't really. I always imagined it more as like a telephone sort of situation, (laughs) not like calling literally, but more like. Like, you have some sort of bond because of the brotherhood. They can, like, talk to the Chosen or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of interesting that, like, anyone could pray to her um, who she's, like, been around and she could hear their call. Um, and I also thought the scene, like, 
where she is describing how she fed him and she's like, yeah, but he's he was one of this one of your soldiers and they're like, what? I fed his other soldier and he's he was in dire need so I fed him. I told him he should come to the mansion to get to get worked on, but you know, he was stubborn and he wouldn't come. And like I just think her innocence about like oh. Quinn's like, is that why you've been hanging around the mansion? She's like, well, I was hoping to run into him. And I'm like, you guys have ripped this innocence from her. Oh, at every bastards. T- it's like she can't win at every turn. I think that's why when, she, can't when win. she wants the baby, you're like, give her the baby. Like, give her she, the baby. Because she can't win. Like, all yeah. they don't tell her anything. They don't treat her like a human. She's treated purely as a vessel, like on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And like... Oh, as she's as she's talking, you know, I love how it starts with like, okay, you can't tell anybody, and they're like, we swear, we're not gonna tell anybody, yeah. and then at yeah. the end, it's like they're telling the king, and it's treason, and she has no idea what's gonna happen, and they're like, don't worry, yeah. we're gonna defend you, and she's like, ah, crap, you know, like she's yeah. like, and Wrath's like, Wrath's like, I actually liked Wrath in that scene though, when he's like, did you do it on purpose? She's like, no, of course not, and he's like, then you've done nothing wrong. This was on us. And I was like, well, at least Wrath realizes that they're a bunch of dickheads. Like, you know? <laughs> but, like, for yeah. a minute, for a minute, she thought everything that was of value to her was gone. The Like, two things that she could do on the planet were gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how helpless is that, is that you know? Like, That's scary. I, I was like, I felt so bad for her because I know, like... You know, she literally only has one job. It's a feed brother. She's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. These guys out here, they're injured. I'm doing it. And they're like, ooh. So those ones, you shouldn't have done that. And it's like, oh, man. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I want I want to see the Chosen get more um, respect in these future books. I That's agree. What, I'm just, I'm I'm just going to put that out they, there. Well, I... I so obviously Layla is going to have her own book, but I assume that some of the other chosen are going to have their own books too. I feel like they got to, but they're not really talking because about of, Selena and and them yet. Yeah, they haven't talked about them that much, but I, I assume some of the other ones are going to have to because you can't always have them be humans. Like they have to have some vampire vampire matings. And like everyone hates the Glymera, so I assume most of them, I mean maybe some of the females in the future will be like, would be like Bella and Marissa who are like sort of rebelling against the Glymera restrictions. Well, but also I, you know. like they're setting it up now. Cause a lot of the Glymera have been killed at this point. Like score went around or, or, or are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Are gone. They fled, you know, whatever. And so I feel like the kind of new world order type thing where like the new people coming up in the Glymera, you know, are not going to be kind of of the old ways. They're going to have, new ideas and a new mind and and rev you know being uh in charge of everything i think is going to allow for a new consciousness to kind of come into the into play um and so i'm interested to see what that what that looks like i'm interested to see more about what rev is doing in terms of his leadership role as well rev and the sympaths you mean yeah like rev with the sympaths and wrath with the wrath with the brotherhood like to see how they how they bring that all together. Yeah, totally. I want to talk about only one short other thing. Okay. And that is Layla, when she is feeding Score, says that I wanted to feel his lips pressed against my skin. 
And so she lets him drink like and puts her wrist all the way into his mouth. And she's like, and I don't do that with any of the other brothers, not even Quinn. And I was like, what? Did you catch that line? Yeah, I did catch that. I was like, that makes no fucking sense because everyone has to pierce you with their fangs and drink from you. So I don't know how I don't know how else you put your wrist in someone's mouth. It's like they, they I, bite I don't you. think she does. I think the way it seemed to me was that she's like dribbling blood over their mouth. See, that don't make any sense to me because I in other books I feel like they very much have said that that people have bit into her wrist yeah. or whatever. You only dribble yeah. into someone's mouth if you uh if they're you know, so injured that they can't drink Dead. themselves. That's the only time you ever hear that happening. So maybe I don't know. And and as soon as they can eat, they immediately latch on. Yeah. Because here's the thing: if you could, if she could just do that, she could just slit her wrist, bleed into a cup, and hand it to Tor. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be that hard for him to eat if you didn't have to actually feed. The whole point is that you have to feed from someone. Yeah. So. She says, um, I'll tell you the exact line. I feel like it's like a little, I think, I feel like sometimes there's these little revisionist moments where, um, they're trying to make something special. So they say like, oh, we've never done this before. You know, it's like when you tell your boyfriend that like, he's your first and you tell the next one, he's your first. And then you tell the next one, he's also your first. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Are you ready here? Yeah. Here it is. Compelled by something she was disinclined to argue with, she lowered her arm until his mouth brushed her wrist. This was something she never did with the other males, even Quinn at this point, but she wanted to know what it felt like. This sho- this she wanted to know what it felt like, this soldier's mouth upon her skin. And I was like, I love the imagery. I love the eroticism. Also, everyone else is drinking from your wrist. This makes no fucking sense. Yeah. That's the final point I wanted to make about this book. What do you think, Shani? Okay, so I'm ready to get into uh, our ratings for this book, Bridget. So right. what did you Let's... think of our heroine? Uh, I gave her four stars. I really liked no one. I did not like the name Audium, but I liked her. I thought she had a nice, quiet strength. I liked her sort of journey of learning emotions, learning about the world, uh, becoming... Uh, better acquainted with his ex and like forgiving her and sort of like I liked that by the end she stood up to him and was like our cycle is complete last time it was about my selfishness this time it's about your selfishness now we're done Um, and yeah so I liked her I liked her I gave her four stars I didn't love her but I liked her maybe it was three stars but I gave her four so I'm sticking with four (laughs) I actually went back and forth between three and four but I ended up giving her four Purely because of how she stuck up for herself at the end. I could see her being like this, that martyr throughout the book. But at the end being like, nah, nah, not today. Like, we done with all that. I have a new name now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Say my name. You know? And like... Say so, my name, bitch. You know Say it. Like, so I gave her a four because, because she stuck up for herself. And honestly, I rated her higher than I rated the, this book in its entirety. Um, I did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And then like for Tor... Tor, I gave him a three because he just, he annoyed me. I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what's happening here. I'm going to need you to get yourself together. I'm gonna need, we're going to need to revisit this in another book. That's how I felt about yes. Tor. I gave him a three. I gave this whole book a three. I don't know. What'd you give Tor? 
I said that in earlier books, I would have said four or five, Shani. I thought he was great. I thought he was strong. I loved the way he was parenting John Matthew and like the rest of the Brotherhood. In this book, he was a two for me. He was such an idiot for so long. Hello, duh, you're the problem. She's gone, brah. Like, let her go. And he was way fucking harsh to no one more than once. And I did not like that at all. Yeah. I said that he was a Mick dummy, a Mick sad face, and a Mick butthead. <laughs> I said he a uh, Mick mehiate. <laughs> <laughs> also, okay, so like the the sex in this book for me, I felt like everything was was vanilla. However, sure. there were some moments in this book where I was just like, damn. Okay, so like uh, <laughs> when when Noam goes into her kneading. And then Zex, um, and then John Matthew gets too too close to her, and then Zex comes knocking on his door, and he's like, "Uh, you know, give me a minute, I'll I'll get catch you in a little bit." And she walks in yeah. to just see him like furiously masturbating, and him being like, "Yo, get yeah. out of here!" And she's like, "No, no, no, no," you know, or whatever. I'll stay, thank you. <laughs> I'll stay. And then she was like, "Like, oh no, like I will be partaking of this. Thank you very much." Um, and then. There's this point in when they're like messing around where she's like, it's like with a moan, she arched and rolled her hips. Come all over me, she said through gritted teeth. And I was like, yes, if that girl says to come all over her, you better come all over her. You better do Hell it. yes. It better Hell yes. happen. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't tell her yeah. no if she says she wants it. <laughs> yes. She can always shower later and regret it later. But if she wants it right then, you do it. You do it. Don't you tell her no. I... Yeah, I thought they had some good... I thought there were some good steamy vanilla sex scenes. I even thought some of the sex scenes between Tor and no one were okay. Yeah. Um, I did not like that he was withholding the D for so long. Because, yeah. you know, I think that's fucking annoying. Um, even though in this case he wasn't withholding it to... Or solely because he thought that she wasn't ready. It was because of Wellesley's memory. So I guess that's a little bit more forgivable. Um <laughs> What about the no but, cuddling? You know when they were like, oh, they yeah. laid in the and bed. And he took so long to kiss her, too. Yeah, like, so wait, he, this whole time he's been fingering her, doing all this stuff, and then afterwards yeah, not no cuddle, cuddling her? That is, that's yeah. to, that's like, um, in like kink and stuff, that's kind of considered um, torturing somebody. Like, and not, and not in a good kinky way. Like, um, it's considered to be like it's a like manipulation. It's like cruel. Yeah, cruel. Because there's no aftercare of a of something that happens, and like yeah. after, aftercare is not something that just needs to happen in kink. It needs to happen with everybody. That's why you've always yeah. seen these like sex scenes where people get up and leave afterwards, and it feels gritty or dirty. Why? Because even in a normal vanilla sex situation, there needs to be an aftercaring yeah. of 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 people's emotions and you know whatever. And so I was like, I so so she's getting all these new experiences that she's never had before. She's actually orgasming she's actually getting in tune with her body and these things and then afterwards she just has this guy who falls asleep next to her and doesn't touch her in any affectionate way i was like that sounds like a bitch move bruh like i don't know yeah it is i mean she even that's what she says at the end this was all about you you're selfish like it was a bitch move you know it was a bitch move it was just a bitch move he's a bitch i hate this he's was a bitchy bitch bitch in this book (laughs) Uh, that brings me to my favorite review by Princess Undercover she rated it one star Uh, she lowered it to one star because she got reminded of how disappointed she was (laughs) it was two stars she lowered it down 
She said, very disappointed. I am a huge Jair Ward fan. I was really looking forward to Tor's story. If anyone deserves a happy ending, it's Tor. But what the hell? This book is two stars because I love Jair's writing style, the other characters that we follow, and their continued development. But the main story, I'd give this something closer to one. It's that bad. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Like, I gave it a two stars. But the only reason I gave it two is because so many other good things happen. Um but their main storyline was just so sad. And I thought it was also really sad to her point of, you know, Tor of everyone deserves some fucking happiness. And I don't feel like he got any happiness in this book. I feel like yeah. he got like okayness. And yeah. I think that's really sad. I also think it's really sad as like a thought or precedent. So yeah, maybe he might not be a bonded male in the future, but to think that someone who is a widow can never be happy again, I think it's just a really sad thing in general. It's, and also not true, because clearly lots of people are happy with second spouses, but um, I just yeah. thought it was sad. And I, I, and I felt like the basis was there to, to argue that she was his first love, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So I thought that there was... I thought this book was going a totally different direction by the way it started. When she took the robe and washed it, that set the tone for me as to I know that how scene was, was going. so lovely. And then it it took a hard left. Like a hard left. Yeah. At the pool. Took a hard left at the yes. pool. And I was like, that what pool, is happening? That pool scene could have been so good. Like I know. It could have been so good. Like, what if he had like walked away speechless? She had been embarrassed. She tried to find him. He ran away and then he was in his room and jerked it to her because he couldn't help himself. And that's the beginning. I was like, thank you. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. Thank I'm You're like, welcome. I'm giving you a, a round of applause over here. Okay. Like <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I I mean fan fiction. Um, but like, yes. Yeah. I felt like that scene could have been bad. I would have liked if he had secretly watched her in the pool and masturbated, Ooh. jerked that shit off. You know what I mean? Like, I mean that that's that. too far for the opening of him. I I thought that would have been I, nice. I think and, it and he could have felt bad for it. Like afterwards, he could have been like, "Oh man, <laughs> like like Wellesley's memory hashtag it's like cover, Wellesley covered in cum." <laughs> You know what I mean? Just like shame. I felt like he could he could do that and feel the shame from all counts. He could feel shame because of Wellesley. He could be shame because he totally just peeping Tom this this you know no one or whatever. I feel like that's fucking creepy though because she did get stolen from someone who saw her through a window and then stole her. So that might exactly. have been too creepy. But then all his shame would have be would be justified. He could probably think he's no better than the sem- the 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 sympath who. Who took her? I mean, it would have just made his emotional <laughs> grid just, you know, it would have flushed it all out. I would have accepted that. Or I would have even accepted him having a boner that he doesn't touch, but he can't get to yeah. go away or whatever. And he just yeah. watches her. I, I would have yeah. accepted that too. You know what I mean? And then she, maybe yeah. she catches a glimpse of him as he's leaving. You know, like there are so many ways I could have gone. It went the worst way. It went the worst. I agree. You know what I'm saying? Tell me your review, Shani. Okay, so my review is from Tekla. Um, who on Goodreads, and she rated it was okay, right? So that's her the title. Um, and so I just consolidated. She wrote a 10-page book about how she felt about this book, and I would recommend you go read it because it's hysterical and it's filled with it's uh, so funny gift gifs, you know? And so uh, I just put together two little pieces that I liked, which was it started, just a fair warning, this book butt-fucked me raw without lube spoiler pun intended and destroyed my heart 
and sanity. My feelings are all over the place and I need to vent. Cursing, spoilers, and inappropriate gifts ahead. And there are. I mean, this was the most entertaining review. It's I think so, <laughs> so funny. Is it? Uh, I mean, it, it's basically like if we had typed out this whole podcast into a review on Goodreads. Yeah, that's what it would be. It's it's so good. So if you can if you can find this, like go read it. It's one of the top reviews. Uh, and then it says, I'm actually so disappointed in Ward. I used to believe in her. I trusted her 100%. But she's been dragging out their stories for far too long and adding ridiculous plot devices to hold them back. Don't bullshit me anymore with they aren't ready. They are. And they were. You made Tor be ready and stuffed a whole year into a book to make it happen. So shut the fuck up and give us Koi already. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yes. Thank you, because it took way too long. Like, I did like that the book had breath, but it took way too long for them to figure out what was happening in this book. And Wellesley sat in the fade for a whole nother, in the in-between, for a whole nother year, all sad and gray with her baby. And I was like, he punked out. You know I don't like a pab. And I was like, Tor, get it together. (laughs) Yeah, he was a push-it-ass bitch, for sure. The best thing about this book is that we're done reading it and we can get to the next one because I'm ready for Blay Love and Quinn. Lover at last. last. I'm with it. I'm okay. like, Okay, Shawnee. Yes. I know I said this in the last review, but I have to say it again. It bears saying again. If Demon. this is not good, I am going to be devastated. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I am literally going to be the most sad Bridget that you've ever seen. The saddest of the sad Bridgets. You guys will hear it in my voice. I will be so depressed. I, I have, recall being so swooned in this. I just recall loving it so much. And if I don't love it as much, if this is not a five star, five star, five star, Bridget, it's me tough. I hate to break it to you, but we have been... T- so we've been thrown so many curveballs now that we're actually reading the book how it was meant to be read. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. We were jerks before. We were just skipping to the sex and romance. <laughs> okay. That's true. And and so now I have no faith in the fact that I'm going to love this next book. I have Aww. even like my feelings for Quinn have changed in uh you know before. Did you feel like he was much better in this book though than in the last one? Yes, because he wasn't like going hemming and hawing and doing you know whatever, and I yeah. felt like he was being responsible. I, I, I felt, like, I he felt was, like he grew up. Yeah, like I felt like I saw him growing in this book. Even even I like that he gives Layla the baby. Like even though I yeah, know he wants something too. for for him, he knows he's he like at the they've they have a friendship now, and it's kind of like the yeah. it's kind of like when your friends are lesbians and you know that they'll have a hard time trying to go through adoption or in vitro or this or that, and you're like, look, I'll give them the D. That's all they need. You know, like him gifting that to her. I was like, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, even though it was impulsive, I thought it was really nice of him and just kind of shows a little bit more growth. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm for ready Quay. too. Quay. Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Quay or Blin? <laughs> I I like Blin better, but Quay is what's on the internet. It is. Quay is what's on the internet. But I actually like Blynn because I am like, oh, Blynn, I think Quinn. Blynn is so cute. Yeah. Blynn. I don't know. I'm a ship Blynn. But Quay, <laughs> Quay, Quay is what's on the internet. All right, dear listeners, until next time, may your books be your lover. And your hands, your best friend.
especially in these times of corona where you are trapped in your home. Oof. I hope that you are enjoying your hand or if you have a partner in the home with you, enjoying your hand and your partner simultaneously. Um, maybe simultaneously, maybe one after another, maybe one every other day. Who knows what your situation is, but I hope that you are taking care of yourself and even though there's some anxiety, you relieve that tension with some orgasms. Be well. Yowza. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.